Hi, everybody. This is Dave Hodges. I'm the host of The Common Sense Show, and we are the show that is freeing America, one enslaved mind at a time. We have a terrific segment coming up for you. We're going to be joined by ReadyMadeResources.com, Robert Griswold, and Robert's going to be talking to us about how to survive regardless of the environment that you're in. And we're going to go from scenario to scenario and let Bob tell us what he thinks people ought to do, excuse me, from each different kind of scenario. But first, I want to recommend everybody that they go to Bob's website immediately following this segment. It's readymaderesources.com. I call Bob King Prepper for a reason because everything that you need there is there. And one of the things that Bob does that separates him from all the rest, he will consult with you personally about your prepping needs. He'll assess where you're at and tell you what he thinks your next step is. So whether it's night vision, water filtration, communications, Bob has what you need for where you're at with your level of preparation. Also, just remind remind everybody too that we represent Steve Quayle, Renaissance Precious Metals. I absolutely love talking about this because I believe at some point in time, no matter what Trump does with the economy, no matter how many jobs he saves, the debt will one day crush the dollar. And it'll cause us to hyperinflate. And that's why I tell people, take a lot of your soon-to-be worthless cash, put it into precious metals. They will be better off. You will be better off if you all do this. Why? Because gold and silver hold their value. Cash does not. And we're being reduced to a fiat currency with people running from the petrodollar. So how do you get a hold of Steve? How do you begin to protect your interests? Give him a call. 406-586-4842. Tell him Dave Hodges of the Common Sense Show sent you. Well, as I mentioned, Bob Griswold is our guest. And Bob is going to be talking to us about preparation on multidimensional fronts. Bob, I'm so glad you could join us, and thanks for being with us. You know, Dave, I always like doing that. You know, I do podcasting with different people, but it seems like I really like this program the best. I I get a lot of good interaction uh, from people. They, You know, you mentioned people calling up, um, and, you know, I do give free uh, technical consultation. Um, I get some of the best questions of people wanting to know how to do things. from your audience, and so I, I like that. Sometimes it's challenging, and I and I, and I like that because they're, they're thinking through uh, the, the scenarios. You know, uh, you mentioned the collapse of the dollar. I mean, we're seeing it's a, it's a global monetary system, and we're seeing this thing break apart right now, right before our eyes. India, I mean, Argentina. You have Venezuela. You have these economies that are massively in debt, just like ours. They're just they're succumbing to just poor management overspending, mismanagement, and uh, promises that cannot be made. I mean, they, there's not enough money to keep the promises. I mean, you just take the, uh, the um, retirement programs in the United States. Uh, there's not enough money. I think it's what, $17 trillion is needed to, to honor these. There's not that kind of money there to do it. It's, it's only a matter of time before the, these, um, these promises are going to uh, evaporate into thin air, and people are going to be left holding a lot of worthless paper. I mean, you know, you, you get these currencies. I, I, mean, I was in Turkey uh, quite a few years ago, and I remember getting $50 million or $50 million, whatever, I forgot the denomination, notes, and I still have some of them. Um, it's just it's it's insane, and that's eventually what happens everywhere. So it's going to happen here. Uh, we cannot get around it. I mean, just look at in the last hundred years, the dollar has already lost ninety-five percent of yeah. its uh, value, and so um, you know it's you better get ready for it because you have two mm-hmm. options. One, um, you can do what Noah did. You can build an ark, or two, you can look for driftwood, and hopefully you find something to hold on to. And uh, but there will be no provisions, and, and it'll be a very miserable existence if you do not prepare for what is coming. History teaches us this is inevitable. We are going to face it, and um, you know how you prepare now is how you're going to face it, how you'll survive it, how your children will survive it. You know, you put that very well. How we face it now not only fa- affects our generation in the present time, it affects the people that follow us, including our loved ones. Absolutely. I want my posterity to survive. You know, I want I want my family to go through this and come out the other end. I care about my future of my family. 
And, you know, it, it's just something that if I do now, if I instill values into my children, my grandchildren, of, you know, uh, preparation and, and a mindset, which is first and foremost what you have to have. You know, Dave, it's a mindset. You can buy all the gear in the world, and I know plenty of people that have done this. Uh, just had customers in the, the store, and I could tell, I was saying, they, they went out and bought AR-15s, and then I said, you know, you need to go to a place to train with that AR-15. Um, and it's not just shooting paper targets from 10 feet. You need, I mean, there's a place in Tennessee called Tactical Response, James Yeager. And, I mean, when they when you go to that rifle course, they're screaming at you. I mean, they're, they're using language you probably don't hear every day. They're putting you under severe stress when you're training, and they, they weren't doing that on purpose. Because, you know, if you ever need, if there's ever a societal collapse, so like some of the things we've seen after natural disasters, you know, it, it's not going to be standing there shooting paper targets. Their stress is going to be incredible. You know, um, doing that kind of training is like sitting in a car, making motor noises, and pretend like you're driving. You're not going anywhere. You know, kids do it. You see them driving, sitting behind the steering wheel, making a motor noise, pretend like they're driving down the street. You know, so unless you take the time now and learn the the the, the nature of survival, um, it's going to be very difficult on you when it happens. Uh, there, there are really four poisons of the mind, and you need to learn now how to deal with those poisons of the mind because you will face them. We face them now. Fear, confusion, hesitation, and surprise. E any one of those will kill you. And the prepared mind deals with it. You know, if if I if I have been through a very difficult situation, I mean, I've been overseas and I've been in some places that I'd never wished anybody to go to. And you learn how to deal with that fear. You have to suppress it. If you go, succumb to it, that fear is a, is a, is going to be a cancer that kills you. Confusion. If 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 you wait until the situation's upon you to plan what you're going to do. You will be confused, and confusion is, is going to kill you. You know, I run scenarios in my mind. I'm in a store, standing in a grocery line. What happens if that guy goes south? What am I going to do? You know, now that might sound strange to some people, um, but it's what I, you know, it's. I think about that way. If it happens, I have trained my mind ahead of time, so that you won't be sitting there going, "What? What's going on? Huh? Wow!" In those precious seconds. When you can, you can either escape and get out of a place, or you can respond to it. You know, you've wasted them because of confusion. Hesitation is the same thing. What do I do? Do I do something? Do I not do it? You know, and you and you stop. You know, in a gunfight, in a pistol fight, Dave, the average person on the street can pull a pistol out of his pants. You know, if he has it stuck in his pants somewhere, and point it at you and shoot you in a second and a half. So what's my goal? I need to do it in a second. I need not hesitate. I need to train to where I can get it done and do that in a second because if I can do it in a second and it takes him a second and a half, guess who's going home? You know? Me. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, we, yeah, we were out training tonight. We train every Sunday night with firearms, we, and it's not just a, a, you know shooting paper targets. It was, It's dynamic moving, shooting, doing that. And, it, and it's amazing. Some people think you hear these bunch of shoot the gun out of their hand type stuff. Well, when you're moving with a gun and you're trying to shoot a target while you're moving, it's very, very difficult to do. Uh, anybody who's done it, it's, it's not, a, not not easy to do. And then and the last thing is surprise. You know, there are so many people that are gonna that when this happens, they're gonna be surprised at the level of violence they see. Um, and, and so you, you need to really address each one of those poisons of the mind, fear, confusion, hesitation, surprise, and deal with it, and, and so that none of those come to you when the situation happens, that you'll know, how to, you'll know how to deal with them, suppress them, make clear decisions, fast decisions, and good decisions that will save your life, and that takes training. I mean, um, like I said, these people had come into our store. They bought a couple AR-15s, and I suggested them to go out to Tactical Response and spend $500 a piece. And it was like I could see. Now I, I know that would probably be a lot of money for them, but it was just like, well, well we're not going to do that. And 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 I would say almost at that point, you know, why'd you buy the guns? Um, 
because you, you're not really going to train with them under a realistic situation, and, and you're going to have to be able to do that. And that's with so many other issues as far as prepping, you know, whatever it is, if you're not practicing it now, you're not going to practice it or be able to practice it effectively when you need to. Um, it, it's training, and training is everything. Training is more important than the gear. Um, you can you can have a little bit of gear. If you have good training, you can survive. You can have all the gear in the world. If you're not training with it, you won't survive. Well, I agree. So, the question I have, and I think I know, already know the answer, but does your training preparation differ according to your geographic location and circumstances? Well, obviously it does. I mean, I live in a rural area. I have 25 acres. I mean, that allows me to go out and um, and just, you know, sling some lead pretty much whenever I want to. So Sunday evenings, we uh, we have groups of friends that come over and we train. I wouldn't recommend going down to Central Park in New York and trying that, you know. Um, <laughs> probably won't end well for you you know yeah so obviously and i'm being a little tongue-in-cheek there um so yeah obviously i mean if you live in a urban area your ability to do certain things and to train is going to be dramatically different than if you live in a in a rural area i mean just just in in, a, in say preparation we talk about bug in bug out you know um if i am in a rural i mean if i'm in an urban area you know I'm talking about bugging out. You know, I might want to get out of there, and that might affect just how I what I put in my bug out bag. But if I live in a rural area, I'm going to want to bug in. I'm going to want to get back home. I'm not going to get away from home. I'm going to want to get in home. And so, definitely, and that would dramatically affect what you would put in a survival bag that you would maybe keep in your car. You know, if I'm if I'm trying to get out into a rural area, I might need a hatchet, a saw, fire starters, things like that. Whereas if I'm trying to to, to get out, uh, there's other things I might need more that it might be more important trying to get to that place rather than um, you know um, than if I was heading if I was heading to a rural area versus heading back into an urban area. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, and, let's and, and, let's go through go and ahead. highlight some of the differences with the different scenarios. Now, now help me. I'm going to list some things that I think are geographic scenarios need to consider. Remote rural. Rural, but within an hour's driving distance of a metropolitan area. Uh, suburban, and then, of course, urban. Where would you like to start yeah. on that scenario? Well, let's just let's, let's start with urban. Now, there, there are basically there's four or more principles that, that, that are always the same that you're going to have to have wherever you do. One is networking. Um, you 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 are not going to do this alone. I, I wish I could get that through people's heads. You know, you are going to have to have a network of friends that can do this. And if that means um, if you live in, a, in an apartment building, that means you network with the people in the apartment building. I mean, apartment buildings can be nice because they generally have limited act, ingress and egress. I mean, so those are maybe easy to defend. Nobody wants to run into a, a tunnel if you, have, if you had armed people on the other end because it's not going to go well for them. And there's ways they can overcome that, yes. But, um, but, but, you know, so networking is absolutely critical. And people always ask me, well, how do I network? Where do I find people? Well, I mean, whether you're religious or not, I mean, you could go to a church and probably meet people and find, maybe find some people that are like-minded. We've mentioned ham radio clubs, uh, you know, CERT training, um, uh, Red Cross training. You, you can find people at least on some level. If somebody's at a Red Cross training uh, uh, you know, seminar or a cert training seminar, you know they're going to have a certain level of a mindset of preparedness. Uh, again, if they're at a ham radio club, they're going to have a certain level of preparedness. They're thinking about ham radio and the communication. That church might be different, and that that could be, you know, just for social networking. But um, even then, when when times get tough, it's nice to have a pool of people around that you have developed a relationship with that have a deeper level of commitment than just, you know, passing in the hallway saying hi. So the networking is, is going to be critical no matter where you are, what you do. You're going to have to have that circle of friends, those concentric circles of friends. Jesus had them. You know, there was Jesus, there was John, uh, uh, Peter, and uh, James. Those were the, the – and, the, the, and then the 12 disciples, then the 70 disciples, and then, you know, greater. So he had those concentric circles of friends, and then we really need to develop that so the networking is, is a big thing. 
you're going to have to learn to adapt and to be flexible. There, there is, you know, what do they say about a battle plan? It, it, it's good as until you hit the first shot is fired, and then you know all that planning goes out the door. You're going to have to learn to be adaptable. If you're rigid, if you're inflexible, you probably won't survive. So, you know, putting yourself in situations where you have to think on your feet um, and, and act with, with changing scenarios is going to be a very critical a uh, asset to have in your, your thing. The Marine Corps' motto, improvise, overcome, adapt, um, because nothing is going to go the way you think it's going to go. It's going to go sideways from what you planned, and if you cannot adapt to that, um, you're not going to survive. Now, these are life skills that take learning, and, and you can't do these while watching TV. You have to really go out and put yourself in situations, and that's where things like cert training or just you know any kind of uh, thing like that where you, where you put yourself in a situation that's going to be uncomfortable or, or, or a different paradigm from what you're used to, and you have to adapt to it. Um, and, and there's all kinds of ways you can do this. Um, one of them is going, like I said, like tactical responses. There's dozens of them where you're going to have people training you with firearms that, that aren't going to be being nice to you, and that's their job is to create high levels of stress so that you have to adapt to it. Um, the, the other thing is I think people are going to be totally ill-equipped to handle violence, and this is, um, this is the thing that we it, – it's, it's a learned behavior. As a martial artist, you know, I'm a peaceful guy. I, I, I've seen what violence does to people, and I, I really abhor violence. It, there's always a better way than violence. Um, it, it, you know, violence is something that we will have to deal with. But if I can find a peaceful solution, I will find that peaceful solution. But look how quick societies break down. You look at the New Orleans or you look at whatever, you look how quickly people will turn violent. And, and for the person who cannot make this adjustment to say, all of a sudden, nobody's my friend anymore, except for the people I've networked with. Everybody else is going to be suspect, and I'm going to have to increase the level of violence. And, and this, is, this is sad, Dave. It really is, but it'll be true. I, you will not survive because people are going to, that have been, been given everything and things are taken away from them, they're going to go violent immediately. Imagine the 10 to 20 million, I don't know how many it is, people that are addicted to benzodiazepines, opiates, might be cigarettes, alcohol, whatever, and all of a sudden those aren't available anymore. Those people are going to get very violent very quickly, and unless you can make that transition in your mind quickly that uh, this is not Kansas anymore, we're not in Oz, I mean, we're not in uh, Kansas anymore, um, you're, this is going to be a very difficult thing for a lot of people because, you know, as a Christian person, I, I, like I said, I, I abhor violence, but at the same time, you know, if, if, if I don't react to a situation quickly and uh, some I get taken out of the way, um, you know, what's going to happen to my wife? We all know. You know, I, I don't want that to happen. So um, these are things of adaptability. But anyhow, now, so going into an urban area, um, there are so many things in, in an urban setting that, that really work against you. You know, nothing is made in a city. Your electricity does not come from in the city. Your water does not come from the city. Your groceries obviously do not come from a city. Um, your ability to grow, um, uh, you know, any kind of garden in a city is limited. If you live in a high-rise, uh, water is not – it takes electrical pumping to get water up to, to elevations. So – these are some of the things that, that you're going to have to face. Gangs are another thing um, that you're going to have to deal with because even though there'll be gangs in rural and um, sub suburban and um, urban settings, uh, there are already gangs in these um, in these urban settings right now. MS-13, just to name one of them, they're already there. They already have a military-type chain of command. And they are going to quickly, when the rule of law breaks down, they are going to quickly, um, you know, exploit that for their own benefit. So, you know, you, you're going to have to realize this. You know, the nice little partitions we have in the urban, I mean, in, in those, uh, you know, urban settings right now where you have, you know, it, it can be just a couple blocks away. You have ghetto-type environment versus then you have, you know, where the good people live. So. You know that 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 line is going to quickly disappear, 
And so you get to have to be get used to that. The other thing about a lot of times in an urban setting like that is the firearms laws are going to be different. Um, you know, you, I mean, if you live in an, a big city like that, a lot of times firearms laws are going to be a lot more restrictive. So your ability to have a box fit type magazine like an AR-15 or AK-47 or whatever is going to be restricted. And in order, really, I mean, I'm just talking reality right now. In order to deal with large groups of people that are being that could want to commit violence against you, you're, you're going to have to, you know, to to deal with that, and and that's not going to be a a good thing. So those are some of the things. Martial law, um, you know, when martial law is declared, yeah, where do you think it's going to go first? They're not going to go out to the rural settings and try to keep me, you know, on my 25 acres. They're going to hit the. They're going to hit by necessity. It'll be absolute necessity. They they will have to implement a, a martial law first in an urban setting versus a rural setting. Mm-hmm. And, I, I agree. You know, this, yeah, the the suburban setting is kind of like kissing your sister. Excuse me, but it's kind of like a mixture between the two. They're they're good and bad. It's it's the almost but not not enough. So uh, you know, uh, if that makes sense to you, I mean, so really, what I'd like to look at mainly are the the urban and the um, the, the rural type of things. Uh, you know, if you live in an urban setting, I mean. Where do you store generally the price per foot to buying a uh, an apartment or something like that in an urban setting? It'd be very expensive, so you have a small um, small area that you're renting or buying, and um, you don't have lots of room to store food or water. And you know, so that's that's going to be restricted as far as how much you can store. And keep in mind, you know. The grocery stores will quickly empty. So until things can normalize, which could take—I mean, it could really get to the point where it might not normalize for a long time, or it could normalize in a month or two months. But unless you have that food in a um, in your place with the water uh, to rehydrate it, um, you, you're going to be very bad. And that's the other thing: is water. Because you know, if you if you don't have the ability to store water um, and enough to uh, for hygiene um, and rehydrating a food, I mean, you know, the food you sell, Dave, it, it does take water, and if they don't have that ability to store large volumes of water in, a, in an urban setting, the food won't do them any good. Because um, I mean, you go to any survival school, they're going to tell you if you can't drink water, you don't eat food. Um, it, it just you'll die quicker eating food without water because it's going to dehydrate you. So you ha- in, a, in, a, in that ur- urban setting, you're going to have to put large volumes of water away, which weigh a lot, and um, you're going to have to find an area in your house, which is generally smaller because of the cost in an urban setting versus a rural setting, to put you know a year's worth of food aside and um, and, and you know make sure it's okay. Um, and again, with those gangs, those gangs are going to quickly start realizing they're going to go and start looking because, um, you know, if law enforcement is incapable, which they will be, of enforcing uh, large areas of martial law, they're going to take advantage of it, and they will be going um, door to door to door uh, looking for things, which I, I recommend everybody get. What's it, You know, I've heard them called door buddies. I use them. It's basically a bar that you put underneath the door handle, and, it, and it's on an angle, and it wedges down to the floor. You know, you can kick in even a deadbolt within a few seconds. If you have a door buddy on the doors going into your apartment or wherever you're at, it, it takes it's going to take a, you know an additional maybe 30, 40 seconds to get in through that door because you could basically have to take it off its hinges. That gives the person inside that, that uh, setting, uh, you know, a lot more opportunity to get uh, prepared to deal with people coming in through a, a doorway, which is the place you want to deal with them. Because that's what they call the fatal funnel. It's that doorway. Um, you know, if you can deal with them there, it's a whole lot easier to deal with them when they start getting in and running around the house. Um, you know, so that's the place you want to deal with them. And if you put one of those door buddies on your on each door, it does give you that you know additional time to deal with people that are trying to break into your into your house. Yeah, so. I totally agree with what you're saying. Here, let me throw some things at you before we move away from the urban. You might need food water, gold, guns, ammo, medicine in the form of natural health care because you can stockpile it, and also tools. Um, Anything else we're leaving out here? 
communication. Thank you. Uh, Dave, I, I, you know, I, I harp on this all the time with people. If you do not – see, the networking, that's critical. You're not going to do this alone. You, if you're in an apartment building, you want to be able to communicate. If you cannot communicate, you, you really, I'm just telling you, you're going to lose. It's, 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 it, is a, it is a first-tier issue that has to be addressed, the ability to talk with other people so that you can organize and bring force to bear where it needs to be brought to bear. Um, I mean, if you're being broken into and nobody else knows it, then you know you're dealing maybe ten guys trying to kick in your door. Whereas if you live in an apartment building and you could get twenty, thirty people in that apartment building to come to your aid, and you do it for them when their time comes, that's going to give you a far greater ability to survive. So communication is going to be absolutely key in any scenario you can paint where survival is at stake. Communication is a first tier item you have to be able to do. And, and the other thing I tell people is, you know, in the cities, if the lights go out, um, the electricity goes down, and, and you're in a dark environment, um, you know, again, the ability to see at night, it's, uh, you know, those are first-tier issues. Um, just doing the night vision training I've done, uh, where you're, you're out and you're, you're doing, you can do observation, or I can do an engage, I can engage if I have to. Um, in a rural setting, I can hunt. You know, um, even even um, in a in an urban setting, if I had to drive, I can drive at night. My all the lights turned off in my car. Lights since the lights in the city aren't working. If the if the power went down, I can drive my car without any lights on with night vision. So, um, you know, those are those are to me are first tier issues that you have to have. But again, if you get your ham radio and you stick them in the closet, if you get your night vision, stick it in the closet. I, I sell them. I mean, that's how I make my living, Dave. But I'll tell you, it, it's not going to do you any good unless you take it out and do some at least basic rudimentary training with it and, and learn how to use it and what it does and you know how to program your radios and get your neighbors on board so that you can all, all operate on the same frequencies. And using, you know, uh, again, in ham radio codes are illegal, but in that situation, I've, I've, I've actually uh, said some things that you can do on here to use codes. You know, instead of using giving up frequency numbers like that, you could be you could have frequency designations like Bravo two, Alpha six, Zulu seven, <clears throat> and you know, instead of giving out a frequency with anybody listening, can switch over to that frequency just as quick. If you have a network of people and you go to say Bravo seven, they'll know what Bravo seven frequency is. So you know, those are things that you can do. Um, and, and, and so the communication and the night vision are going to be absolutely critical. Um, uh, firearms, uh, learning how to use them and how to use them effectively um, against people because it will be the only thing that stops. Um, Bob, let me you know, ask you, house-to-house -house fighting, because that's what you're dealing with in urban. What kind of firearm do you recommend? Oh, I, I, you, the FBI did a lot of research, and I get in this argument a lot of times on um, on Facebook pages. Um, the FBI's done the research, law enforcement's done the research. People say I want my shotgun, um, and, and the AR-15 is the, without a doubt. I mean, there's probably people right now that are going to disagree with me, but the AR-15, hands down, the FBI agrees with me. Law enforcement's got rid of all their shotguns. Basically, they have AR-15s. Uh, the military doesn't use shotguns for combat that much. There's specific purposes where you use shotguns, and for specific purposes, shotguns do have an, a bit, uh, thing. But, you know, an AR-15, I, I have 30-round magazines. I can change that magazine out in just a half a second, a second, and have 30 more rounds back in my weapon ready to go. And so you can deal with a large volume of predatorial type people um, if you need to. And Dave, I want to make it clear that, that we're talking about we're talking about you know the zombie land apocalypse. And this is what happens when the power goes down, the food doesn't come, the supply chain breaks down. You're going to have that zombie land apocalypse. It, people are going to get nasty really, really quick. I've told you some horror stories I've seen overseas of people willing to sell their children for food. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it, it's unimaginable. We can't even conceive that in the United States. I would sell my daughter for food, but I mean, it, it happens. Bob, I mean, in this country today, two million children sell themselves daily for basic necessities. You will do it if you have to. I mean, I, I agree, I mean, and it, it's going on today. No reason to believe it won't expand. What I want to ask you also is with regard um, to do you stay in the city and, and kind of like – and, of course, you'd have to have the gold guns, ammo, medicine, food, water, and That's so really forth. That's really a great question, Okay, Dave. but that, do, that do, you bug really out? Yeah. do you bug out or do yeah, you stay put? 
this this is something that takes a lot of insight from somebody. You're going to have to be ahead of the curve on this. You're going to have to say, uh, there's a 50-50 chance this is going to happen. I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'm going to bug out. Because if you wait for people to realize all of a sudden the poop has hit the fan, what do you think you're going to see? You're going to see a billion cars on the highway and people running out of gas, people people purposefully blocking other cars so they can go rob them. I mean, you're going to be stuck in what's called the proverbial vertical parking lot. And and then you could, the military will, might come in if it's a pandemic or something like that. The military would come in and just close off the accesses. You won't leave the city. So you're going to, if, if you if you plan on bugging out of the city, you're going to have to have the intuition enough to realize I'm going to have to be way ahead of the power curve on this. And that means you might be wrong a couple times. Um, and and you know you might put your plans in and bug out, and then all of a sudden you realize, well, it didn't happen. Well, let's go back home. Okay. Um, but if 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 you plan on bugging out and you wait till everybody else figures it out, I mean, you're going to be you're going to have one foot nailed to the floor, running as fast as you can. And you not get a picture picture of that in your brain. It, you're just going to be running in circles. Um, so, um, yes, if if you have a place that you can go to, I mean, do you, you think you're going to bug out to the national forest if you don't have a place? No. I mean, you you just can't bug out and say, well, we're going to go and you know somewhere and bug out in the national forest. That's not going to well, work. Let me tell you. you why people would do this, though. If the surrounding gangs were bad enough and threatening enough, you might think, I'll take my chances in the wild versus what I got here. Yes. Now, but see, that is a critical failure in planning ahead of time. Because if that is your plan, that is a critically flawed plan. You can do better than that if you just take a little bit of planning ahead of time and network with people or relatives or whatever it is you know um you know a camping ground where you might uh, have a uh, you know a reservation in perpetuity like a koa or something um you know you're going to be far better making that kind of plan ahead of time than just heading out to wherever fate takes you and because there's going to be bad people on the road I mean, they're going to be there, and unless you can get to that place quickly, and you're you're just wandering around in the wilderness, they're going to find you. And Dave, it's not going to be pretty. I mean, I, I try to be as delicate as I can, but if you have women with you, I mean, it's not going to be pretty. Um, and so, you know, the, the person who's just going to try to bug out, that's that's desperation, that's lack of planning. That that is the worst case scenario you can do. Okay, it, it, let's it, say you got to do it. Let's say you do. Do you have strategies for this? Like, do you stay off the highways? Do you stay to back paths? Travel at night versus okay. day? Uh, yeah, yeah, what absolutely. would you do? This is where night vision is going to be absolutely. If you if you're in the city and you're going to plan on doing that, you're going to have to have night vision, because you if you cannot travel at night. And, and hide from people. You'll be able to see them long before they see you. You're going to be able to hide. You're going to learn to practice noise and light discipline, so you're not making a lot of noise. You're not talking. You know, you have if you do have radios, you have radios that have you know the private throat mics and earbuds, so that you can talk to each other with nobody else hearing you. And you're going to have, pretty much have to do it at night, because if you're doing it during the day, um, you're going to be just open prey for anybody. It, it, again, you look at the Balkans War. That um, there's a story on the internet: uh, my year in hell, one year in hell, and all traffic, all movement of humans happened at night, because if you if you're out during the day, there were snipers just for the fun of it, shooting people. I mean, they they just took their video game one step higher, and you know, instead of shooting people in the video game, they and there are people that's sick out there. They're just going to start shooting people for the fun of it. I well, we we it. saw that in the L.A. riots, where there yeah, were sixty-five just, sniper instances. Yeah, just for the fun of it, they're going to be doing it. So you, this is where night vision and communication again is going to be absolutely critical. If if you don't, if you plan on bugging out at all, even under the most desperate situation, and you have to do it during the day, or at night, and you're trying to you know, just meander through the wasteland at night, not being able to see what you're doing, it, it's not going to go well for you. Your chances of survival are going to go dramatically down. So again, night vision, communication, first tier. They are first tier items you have to have. Um, and I, I say this all the time. And, um, and fortunately, a lot of people 
have listened to me and, and, and get it. And Dave, you, you wouldn't believe how many stories I get. The person who gets their night vision, um, especially the new white phosphor, the night vision that's come out, they, they go outside for the first time and they go, oh my gosh, I can't believe what this allows me to do. It is. I mean, I can see, I can see people up to about 700 yards away. I mean, I can effectively use my firearm up to 400 yards away at night in perfect, complete darkness. I can use my firearm up to about 400 yards. Okay. Well, I I, I get that about night vision, and I totally agree with you. But what's the best way to get out of the city? What would uh, you recommend? Yeah, at night you get to have to. If you cannot, if 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 you have waited, you get to have to plan on the the roads being congested. So you get to have to have your bug out bag, and you're going to have to be able to do it. You can need your water filter. You get to have to have a place to go. Obviously, you're going to need some maps so you'll know where you're going, how to get out there. You have to have a a, a real plan on what's going to really work. And if you're not physically fit, um, uh, this there's this this is stress. Um, I, I've been into situations, Dave, where your norepinephrine and your adrenaline, uh, when those start kicking into your body, the, the, great, the only way I can explain it is you have your foot on the accelerator as hard as you can push it down and your foot on the brake as hard as you can push it down. Now, imagine that scenario. That's going on in your body. So stress is going to be just absolutely mind-boggling. And, and so if you're not physically fit, you know, again, this is another – nail in the coffin it's just something so getting physically fit i mean you could learn i mean going into a martial arts class even learning some basic martial arts skills you know i teach people to learn when i used to do martial arts i would i teach them learn five good moves if you do those five good moves and practice them a thousand times you could be very good at doing them and so you got five good moves that you have you can learn other stuff but learn five good moves really well and let, let me guess most people don't. can i guess Okay, growing throat, Adam's apple in particular, and eyes. Those would be my first three targets. Those are very, very good targets. Um, you know, it's, well, there's something called a sidekick. It's where you just bring your mm-hmm. knee up, yep. your leg up, and you, you rake it down on the side of their leg. They don't, you don't even see it coming, and it, it will discombobulate their, their knee, and they can take them out. And it, it's easy to do it. I can teach somebody how to do it in just seconds. And you sideways kick their knee; they don't see it coming, and they're, they're effectively, you know, they're, they're going to be hobbling for a long, long time. But yeah, uh, you know, eyes—you put, you hold your hands up. I, I, I'll do anything you want. Imagine a woman. Imagine a woman. Hold her hands up, right by her face. I'll do anything you want. What do you want? What do you want? Her hands are literally just inches away from that guy's eyeballs at that point. And he, and and when she starts, I'll do whatever you want. His brain's already, you know, well, we already know where his brain's at, and so he's already five steps down the road but he doesn't realize his eyes are so vulnerable. Yeah, um, well, the keys, the keys to the, let me tell you, the reason I say this, <laughs> I shouldn't probably be talking about this, but when my dad was done with the Navy and he was doing contracting for intelligence agencies, he knew these base commanders, so by where we lived, I got to train with some pretty high-level guys, and uh, <laughs> this is where I learned the kill shots. Uh, uh, Keys to the eye can permanently, I mean, can can, uh, kill very quickly. Excuse my stuttering here, but uh, that's one I learned. Also, the throat. And they can't cover all of it. And if they grab you, if you get nothing else, if they get in too close and you can't get them in the groin with your knee, you can always scrape the instep with your shoe and make them drop their hands. You know, a knee strike is the most powerful strike you can deliver to somebody. It, 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 that is the most powerful part of your body, and if you can get a knee strike to anywhere, the groin will be extremely effective. Even you know, but even on the chest, if you can knee strike them, if you can knee strike somebody on the side of their leg, anywhere you strike with a good hard knee strike, it, it's going to hurt really, really bad, and it's going to probably at least do it. There's there's a saying um, that, that uh, a Green Beret friend of mine has. It says, "Shock changes intent, violence changes action." You know. So you shock and violence, and and I've done it before when I used to fight. You hit somebody, that you they you, you look at somebody, and you can tell they're aggressive. You hit them right one time, and all of a sudden you can see that fight leave their. You can see it in their eyes. The fight has left. You hurt mm-hmm. them. Yeah, exactly. And you see the fight leave them right there. That shock and that violence does it. And then when and again you it's a, it's a thing called ABC attack by combination. You never just hit them one time. You know, bang, bang, bang. You hit them 
several times um, and, and make sure that they're not going to get back up again to hurt you or to hurt somebody else because if if if, if it's post Tiatawaki or if, you know the crap it's the fan thing and they're they're out hurting people I have no problem with making sure they don't hurt anybody else two two things on that Bob one one of the things I learned was going up the ladder as they used to call it if they were in too close you do the instep thing also what you said about the sidekick on a knee no question that's absolutely important 45 degree excuse me 45 degrees of pressure at a 45 degree angle will blow out a knee so it doesn't it's, you it's devastating you don't have to be that strong and then growing throat and eyes and what when i used to teach uh, self-defense classes um i would have the ladies take their keys and intersperse them in the gaps between their fingers and then clench a fist and i said exactly. where the opening is that's where you go i said but that's not your first strike so they could deflect your first strike so what I used to teach is, in step or knee, get them to drop their hands and go for their throat. Yeah, throat or eyes, yes. Yep. Yeah, a palm strike to the nose. Um, uh, you know, Dave, if you take just a common magazine, you just go get a little magazine, survival guide, roll it up tight, and you've got a rolled up magazine. Do you know what you can do when you hit somebody sideways with that thing? That'll kill them. Just a magazine. You go, if somebody's listening right now, go get your little magazine, whatever you get, People magazine, roll it up real tight. And then go hit a watermelon with it. You've got to crush it. And that's an improvised weapon. Again, here's adaptability. Here's improv- improvising. You know, um, very, very simple weapon to make. And, and on an airplane, you can't carry a, a weapon with you, but you know they have those travel magazines on there. And you just roll that little baby up, make it real tight. Somebody goes, somebody starts getting sideways on the thing. You, you crack them with that, that, that magazine. I mean, and I'm telling you what, you could put them down. You will put them down. <laughs> Um, you've got to so be careful again, talking about that because we'll get magazine confiscation if we're not careful. <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of magazine. They don't want to confiscate one kind of magazine, the kind you put in a gun. Now they'll be, t- they'll be trying to take your people magazine away from you. So, But anyhow, and, and I wanted to d- address real quick, you know, I mean, the rural setting, it, it does have um, – you know, uh, downsides to it, but you've you've greatly reduced population density. Um, rural settings. Um, so if you can, if you can get a second place. I mean, uh, gardening, uh, hunting, and fishing. I mean, you know, in eastern Tennessee here, there's water everywhere. So even if I'm down there trying to get crawdads out of it or whatever, but I mean, a little stream will have those in it. I mean, but we have a lot of fishing around here, a lot of hunting. Uh, so you have woods. I mean, it's not common, uncommon to see deer or turkey where we live. Um, it, another thing people don't think about, how am I going to heat my house in the winter if I live in an urban setting? What am I going to start a fire in the living room? You don't have fireplaces in apartment buildings. It's going to get cold there in the winter. I mean you can get space heaters, but there's no electricity. So you could get propane heaters, but that propane's going to run out real quick. If you live in a rural setting, you know we have fireplaces and an abundance of energy called firewood. So, I mean, that's something people generally don't think about is how am I going to stay warm in the winter? And if you don't stay warm, you're going to be burning a lot more calories staying warm if, it's, if, you, if, if, you, if you don't have that ability. If your body's – if you're having to put clothes on or – I mean a heavy layer of clothing or if you're cold, trying to, your body's trying to keep warm, you're going to be burning a lot more calories that way. Whereas you know, if you live in a rural setting, it's nothing to have a fireplace or a wood-burning stove or something like that where you can get an abundance of energy – firewood and and keep yourself warm and that gives you the ability to cook boil water so if the electricity goes off or whatever goes off and you have a you have a wood-burning stove you can use that for so many different purposes it's it's just such a benefit and so that's that's one of the benefits i i think real big benefits of, of, of you know rural living versus urban living um there are things that there are things that isolation can work against you and this is again where networking and communication works in because you probably have a a, a more dispersed population but you know we have groups of people around here i can call if i needed them they'd be here quickly i mean that happened a couple of years ago where one of the ladies and our group of friends there's uh, her husband was away and um you know there were people walking around on her property at night with flashlights she called and you know um i approached i had night vision so they would never see me um and i approached um the little cook they were just you know, trying to poach is what they were doing so i didn't want to you know creating a problem uh, an issue with them could be something they'd come back with and, and and you know seek retribution so i just let them go their way but um but again i could communicate with her are you okay you know if i heard if i heard screaming or if i didn't hear anything on the radio 
uh, versus I'm okay, the way I approach that house is going to be a lot different. And because I, I can, if if she's okay in that house, I can approach that house a lot slower, being a lot more cautious. Whereas if, if I didn't hear anything, or if I, there was screaming, help, screaming, whatever, you know, I would I would approach the house in a lot different manner, um, and my entrance to the house would be a lot different. So again, that's where communication is so critical. I knew what was going on inside that house before I got there. Um, I knew she was okay. I just knew there were people poaching on the property, and we just let them go their way. And didn't create an incident with them. Um, so um, uh, again, on a on a big piece of property, I can have chickens, I can have goats, ducks, food, I can have a large dog. Generally, if you live in an urban area, you can't have that big pit bull or uh, you know Rottweiler or German Shepherd. They're not going to let you have them. So, but on a on a you know a rural setting, you can have that kind of animal that really will. Um, once you once you develop a relationship with a dog like that, they are fiercely protective. Well, I have to tell you that I had a long conversation with Mike Adams, and we both are of the opinion that with the secret meetings going on with social media, and we're looking like internet martial law, and with the same thing going on with the telecoms, that clearly something very big is coming. And they Do you don't, know how much they're talking about they nuclear don't want, war? Yeah, well, they don't want the prying eyes of the uh, independent media, and this is why they want us out of the way. So here's my point. People better get clue. Get, let me back up and say this properly. People better take a clue from this and better make sure they're prepped. So let's take a few minutes. I want to talk about what you have available at your store and ready-made resources. And I want to have you highlight some of the key things we've mentioned here. Well, Dave, you sell the food. You have to have the food. I mean that you and I would recommend a year a year of it. I, I mean you know get a year's worth of food. You have to have water filters. You know the big Berkey water filter is a great water filter for for um, um, a large family. It'll do a large volume of water. You can put pond water in it, and and make it clean drinking water. Um, you do not want to get a waterborne disease like Giardia or Cryptosporidium or something like that. At that point, it's just going to be miserable if you get that. Um, so water filtration, um, you know, self-defense. Again, um, martial arts classes are great just to, to go and take that, and I would recommend it. But again, I've, I've told you, along with the food and water, that's first tier. I consider night vision and communication first tier um, items that you have to have. I, I mean, I can tell you a dozen reasons to Sunday why night vision and communication are just as important as food and water. You can have all the food and water you want, and if you cannot defend it, you will not keep it. I promise you, you will not keep it. And there'll be people that have this equipment that are going to come and they're going to exploit the, your weakness of not being able to talk to your neighbors and not being able to see at night, and they're going to take everything you own. And I've said this before, and I say it delicately, they just don't take your food. If they have, if you have females, they will take them. I mean, Dave, it, it took me a, a while to get over some of the things I saw when I was overseas. And, and you, you see the brutality, and it's it's not fun to watch. Um, but that's the reality of it. It's the reality of it. So those are top-tier things. We offer the financing on the night vision. I mean, you know, you can get into $100 a month. Uh, you can get a first-grade pair of military white phosphor top-of-the-line night vision. Now, I will say this. You have to be an American citizen to buy it. I, will not see, you can, I cannot sell it to you if you're not an American citizen, and uh, you do never take it out of the country. It's, it's what's called under, it falls under what's called ITAR. That means it's, it's restricted. You can, it's perfectly legal for an American citizen to own it, but you, if you ever get caught taking it out of the country, they will put you in a cage for a long time, and that's not where you want to be when the crap hits the fan. So it's perfectly legal to own it, <laughs> perfectly legal to have it. There's no recording of it, but... Um, Oh. Don't try to take it out of the country and don't try to buy it if you're not an American citizen. Speaking of the cage for a long time, Barb Peterson was the first female guard at San Quentin, and she told me as part of her training that if they ever had a huge calamity in society, they were trained to execute the prisoners. Well, I mean, you gotta you got to realize a lot of these people are just completely psychopathic. I mean, if you let them go in on society... You're going to have a catastrophe. But, Dave, I'll say this. You have a lot of people that are addicted to extremely altered, mind-altering drugs. Benzodiazepines, 
alcohol, opiates, when people do not get those, they are going to go into a shock and a mental breakdown unlike anything we've seen, and it's going to be in mass. And this is what I'm telling you. If, you're, if you cannot turn that switch quickly and realize this isn't Kansas anymore, you know, um, you're, you're, you're going to be faced with some very bad situations that you have to deal with. Again, just keep that in mind. Shock changes intent. Violence changes action. That's what will work. That's the formula. That's, the, that's what work. That's why we do that. That's what the military does. And it, it takes the fight out of things if you bring that to bear effectively. And I agree. We, I hate, I hate to talk about these things because we all want to live peaceful lives. I, I want to collect my retirement. I want to see my grandchildren. I want to, I mean, I want to be 80 years old and I'm sitting on my lap, and, and that's what I want. But I, I don't think we're going to get that. I, I think things are accelerating in this country. I think the financial breakdown is accelerating. The moral breakdown is obviously way past what I would ever have thought. I, I'm, I'm fond of saying this, Dave. If we'd had a financial breakdown equivalent to our moral breakdown, you would be burning paper money because it wouldn't be worth it. Oh, I agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Well, ready-made resources is the place to go. Bob, I'm afraid we're out of time, but I just want to make sure we highlight this. Ready-made resources is the place to go. Bob will talk to you and call the number that's on the screen when you log in. Make sure you tell him that I sent you. Okay, make sure you tell him you yes. heard it here on this show. And uh, Bob, any final words of wisdom before we Team part up, company? Team up, train up, and stock up. Team up, network, train up, put your put your equipment to train, practice, and then stock up. You're going to need supplies. Absolutely. Well, Bob, my friend, we are out of time. we got to scoot. We're up against it. But thanks so much for coming on and sharing. I feel like we only touched the surface. I would like to have you back at a future date to talk about the difference between suburban and urban preparation and a little bit more with the rural. I've got some questions, but like I said, we got to scoot. To everybody else, stay tuned. We'll be back. God bless.